Welcome to the Business Mentor Podcast. This podcast is where we share and discuss the experiences, ideas, and happenings in the world of business, featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction in your journey. Introducing your host, award-winning entrepreneur and Prince's Trust business mentor, Jay Dillon. Welcome back to the Business Mentor Podcast. Really excited about this week's episode. We've got serial entrepreneur, Patrick Bet David. Now we interviewed him a few weeks ago and I'm so excited to get him actually onto the show. So it's going to be a great one. Now Patrick Bet David, if you don't know him, I don't know where you've been hiding. He is absolutely everywhere. He's got his own YouTube channel, Value Entertainment, who's got over 1.1 million subscribers. At the time of the interview, 750, but he just surpassed that and he's growing so fast. His knowledge is amazing. He runs a PhD agency business which is insurance business saying life insurance he's got over 7,500 agents working for him in a hundred million dollar business he's been on Forbes he's been on Fox CNN he's been on everywhere and he's interviewed some of the most well-known guests such as Grant Cardone he's got Mark Cuban the billionaire Magic Johnson Vanilla Ice uh, one of the special ones that we grew up listening to and it's amazing to have him on the show it was an honor for me I hope you guys will enjoy it I certainly did I even got a chance to ask some of our listeners questions so listen out to them he gives so much value so much information yeah enjoy this one and I'll catch you on the side thank you Guys, I'm just going to a live interview with the main man, Patrick Bet David. So, Patrick, thank you for joining the podcast, man. You're an inspiration. I really appreciate you taking your time. I know you're busy. Thank you for joining us. It's good to be on with you. You've actually got PHP, 5,000 agents, around a $100 million a year business. What more introduction does anybody need? To have you on the show is amazing. Thank you again for joining us, yeah? It's good to be on, man. Looking forward to the questions. We've got some great questions from the audience. So just tell my listeners a bit about your story. You know, a lot of people don't know who you are, and that's, not, that's been, you know, in a nice kind of way. I want to get exposure into UK. Just a bit about your story, starting from when you left Iran. You know, how did it yeah, go about? Yeah, so, you know, I was uh, born and raised in Iran, lived there for uh, quite some time, 10 years. And then when Khomeini died, he was the prime minister, the king, the president, whatever you call it in your country. When he died... Six weeks later, we escaped Iran. We went to Germany. I lived at a refugee camp in Germany for two years. And that's when I first got my experience as an entrepreneur. I was the kid. Uh, a Super Mario Brothers 2 was coming out. And I yeah. liked this one girl who was dropped at gorgeous to me. Czech, Czech, Czechoslovakian <laughs> girl. Yeah. And her brother, Jan, liked video games. And I liked his sister. So I said, listen, if I buy the Super Mario Brothers, he'll get a chance to play the video game. I'll get a chance to play with his sister. So... I went to the local swimming pool and I asked him, I said, listen, you know, you got all these beer bottles here. Germans like to drink a lot. I said, you got all these beer bottles here. Who's going to clean this stuff up? He says, well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, what if I bring it over to you? He says, for every beer bottle you bring, I'll give you five Phoenix. So I collected that. I needed 5,000 beer bottles because the Super Mario Brothers were like 249 uh, marks. So I collected it. I went and bought it from Kaufhof and that became my experience about entrepreneurship. Came to the States. Um, didn't do too well in school. I was a 1.8 GP. I don't know what growth is, you know, scaring, scoring grade you guys use in uh, UK, but I didn't do too well in school. 
and then went to the U.S. Army, got out of the Army. I wanted to be a bodybuilder. I wanted to be the Middle Eastern Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I was going to be, win a few Mr. Olympias, be a Hollywood actor, go be a governor, marry a Kennedy, something like that. And so accidentally, I got into the financial industry. I started working at Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter, Series 7, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then from there, I decided to go my niche insurance. October of 2009, started my own insurance company. That grew from then to now we have around 7,300 insurance agents in 49 states. And uh, it's grown. And accidentally, simultaneously with that, I just started a YouTube channel uh, five years ago. And we started doing a video a week. It was two minutes. And then it led to us making it a couple adjustments into value attainment. Then it became into what it is today. Awesome. Great story. Did you always felt you were an entrepreneur you know, at the younger age? Was anyone that inspired you while you were younger? Obviously, being in Iran, different kind of culture to the U.S. Um, do you have anything inside you that kind of got that entrepreneurship with you? I don't know if I had any. Like my dad wasn't an entrepreneur. My dad was a chemist. He made makeup for Nivea and Max Factor. Today, he makes makeup for uh, Estee Lauder and Mac is what he makes makeup for. He loves making makeup. It's, it's, it's <laughs> his phenomenon. My mother wasn't an entrepreneur. I didn't have anybody in my family in Iran who was an entrepreneur or in Germany, but I'll give it to you from a different standpoint. I always pushed authority. I always didn't do well with authority. So I'm the kid that got kicked out of Bible school. You know, I'm the kid that got, got, a, got kicked out of Bible school because my Sunday school teacher would tell my dad, he keeps questioning everything. You know, your son is six years old. He's asking, how is there a God while Iran just got bombed 160 times two weeks ago and people died? How is, how is that even possible? I was always the one that questioned authority. I wasn't just, oh my gosh, this makes sense, let's go do it. And I don't know if that's an a, a, a entrepreneur thing or rebellious thing. So when we came to America, I felt like the handcuffs and shackles came off. Yeah. And so you mean to tell me I'm in Germany, I'm free, people don't have a veil, you know, they don't cover their face, they don't cover their hair. Everybody's walking around with shirts and shorts and you're showing skin. You mean to tell me I can say what's on my mind and then I come to America, you have got to be kidding me. I can, say, I can say bad things about the president and I'm not getting killed. No, this is great, so I'm free. So I think it was more about being free than it was about was I an entrepreneur or not. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm interviewing quite a lot of entrepreneurs. I myself, being an entrepreneur, I went to the whole system, the university, but I, I was just hustling my way through university, like, you know, cooking some dinner so we will do my homework, that kind of thing. And I think that's maybe that's a lot of entrepreneurs have got that inside them where they don't want to follow the system and you either break up early or you break up later, but there's a trait there. And a lot of entrepreneurs have got that trait. Um, so yeah, interesting to, to hear that from you. So with your business, because a lot of our listeners are starting a business or they're just getting into business, how do you scale that business up? Because you've like 7,300 agents now, I think yeah. it's 5,000 last time. I kind of look myself and that's just growing. So how do you scale something up like that? Yeah, so to me, everything in life is math. And I, so think about it this way. If I was to ask you a question right now, and I was to say, listen, uh, uh, who is the greatest soccer player in the world? What's the first thing that comes to mind to you? You'd probably say who? Messi or Ronaldo. You would say Messi or Ronaldo. If I told you who's the greatest basketball player of all time, you're going to say a couple names. You're going to say LeBron James or Michael Jordan, right? That's right, yes. If I ask you who's the best prime minister, you know, UK ever had, you know, you're going to give a name. If Churchill, I told you who, yeah. you, you're going to say certain names. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's going to come to your mind, right? So when somebody asks me what's the word that comes to mind when you think about entrepreneurship, I think about math because everything to me is math. When I tell you everything, I mean, everything to me is math. So 
Scaling is about sitting down and actually studying numbers. I'm a data junkie. I love data. I love math. I'm a guy that likes to look at numbers and figure out and say, okay, why isn't this taking place? And when we did it this way, why did this happen? So you got to sit down and look at the different data that you have that's affecting a lot of things. So for instance, sometimes, you know, you're thinking what's growing your business is X, which in reality, what's growing your business is Y, and you haven't paid any attention to Y, and you've been putting all your focus into X because somebody told you X is more important than Y, right? So you got to learn the ability to process issues. For instance, for us, I'm looking at my company here. Yeah. Everybody's working. It's a glass door. I have a glass office. I want to look outside. I want to know what's happening. You will find data everywhere on the wall is a big screen TV with data on there. And the data looks like the following. Let me tell you how my data looks. I compare any month we have with a couple different months. So for instance, July, perfect example. I compare July against July of 2017, so July 2018 versus July 2017, and then I compare July against the best month we've ever had. So why am I doing that? One, I wanna beat season to season, right? Season to season is July 18 to July 17, but then I wanna beat my best month ever that I've ever had. So for me, last month, July, give you a number. Yeah. So we sell life insurance, right? So last month, and I know life insurance is probably the most boring product in the world to sell because, and it has to be the most difficult product to sell because you're talking to people about dying. There is no excitement about that. Like if I'm selling a gym membership, I can talk about, man, you're gonna look good, you're gonna look sexy, girls are gonna like it, and there is something to it. With life insurance, you're not gonna experience the benefits of it ever because you have to die for you experience the benefits. So how do you want me to get excited about it? (laughs) Just think about it. One day when you die, your kids are going to be good. It's not one of those conversations. So it's a tough product to sell. So last July, we sold 1,800 policies in a single month. Well, our best month ever of selling insurance policies is 3,750. Okay. So when June was ending and the first day of July is here, I sit there and I write out the numbers. I already know it in advance anyways, but I'm looking at it. What was our best month ever? Okay, say 37.50. What did we do last July? 1,800. This last July, a month ago, just a few days ago, we finished a month with 4,772 life insurance policies sold in a single month. We're the fastest growing financial marketing organization in America. But what happened there? Here's the formula. So take a formula. If you have the, uh, I don't know how to, uh, 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 what do you call it? If you have four boxes, two on top, two yeah. on bottom, right? You gotta visualize it this way. To grow your business, Top, you have two things you do as a leader that's exponential, that helps your business grow exponentially. Then you have two things on the bottom. I'll show this for the people that are visual, even though this is a podcast. Yep. So look at it this way. So you got a box here. What you do up here grows your business exponentially. What you do down here grows your business linear. Both important, but what you do on the bottom doesn't explode your business. It just grows your business, right? Sustains your business. So on the bottom, you have operations and you have biz dev. What are we talking about with operations and biz dev? You're hiring better people. You have a better chief operating office. You have better technology. You know, you are building relationships with your partners, your carriers. These are good things, important things to do, but they're not going to exponentially grow your business. On top, you have two different things. One is the next innovative campaign, which I'll explain here in a minute. And the other one is leadership development. Okay. So let's talk about leadership, uh, leadership development first. Leadership development up here is you focusing on taking your current guys that you have on your team. 
So you look at your people and you ask the question, say, who here believes in what we do as much as I do? You have to make, it's not that many people, by the way. A lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs want to think it's everybody. It's not. It's a very, very small percentage. You make a list of those people. Who in here is somebody that can end up becoming a very big leader within the company? Somebody that can replace some of my responsibilities? Because as a leader, you're constantly in the replacement game. You are replacing a lot of your responsibilities with somebody else. You're developing somebody else to take your, replace your ability to count the money, replace your ability to hire people, replace your ability to do certain things. There are certain things that should never be replaced by the CEO, but there's a lot of things that can be. Then the last part is the next innovative campaign, and that part of it, um, I can't teach that. And what I mean by I can't teach next innovative campaign, that is part of the creative genius of the CEO, the entrepreneur. You know, Steve Jobs is the creative genius behind Apple on the way he felt that packaging was important, and everybody laughed at him, says, who cares about packaging? We're spending way too much money on packaging. If we cut money on packaging, we'll be able to save ourselves another $40. It's like, I don't care about $40. People have to get this thing and realize this is a $3,000 product, and they were willing to do that. So the creative genius is on you. Every month, every quarter, you ought to sit down, end of a quarter, any end of a month, sit down and say, okay, here's what happened here. This is the innovative campaign we tried last time. It didn't work. That other innovative campaign we tried worked very good. But it worked for December because it was a holiday season. But this one's not going to work in July. So what can I do in July, which typically in our business, the slowest month of the year. So you as the CEO, the entrepreneur, has to know what are the best months of the year, what are the worst months of the year, and what can you do to make the worst months compete with the best months. So for us, July, we had July, which is our second worst month of the year seasonally. No one in July buys insurance policies. Yep. They're summer. They're hanging out. We made July be our best month. You have to sit there and creatively think about strategies you can come out with that can help uh, scale your business. That part is a lot of testing and a lot of trial and error. So basically, with regards to innovation now, do you think social media, the internet is a way forward now? Um, obviously, the old marketing's still there, but now starting a business from now, them tools are here that weren't here when I started in 2003 kind sure. of thing. So, so it's interesting you ask that question. I think what social media has done the following. Think about these five CEOs I'm about to name you, okay? So if we go back, back in the days, Ray Kroc. You know Ray Kroc. Yeah. Ray Kroc was the founder of McDonald's, right? If I were to ask you, hey, was Ray more of a sales guy or was Ray more of a marketer? Everyone knows Ray's a sales guy. This is a guy that was just willing to drive you know, 20 hours to you and sell you a, you know, a, a shake machine. He was willing to do that. That's a sales quality, right? He was a sales guy. He was never the marketer. Sam Walton, right? Walmart. He has four kids yeah. that are alive today. His poorest kid today is worth $39 billion. His poorest kid, Sam Walton, is worth $39 billion. He started the Walmart empire, right? He was a sales guy. Andy Grohl from Intel, that grew the business in a decade, crushing everybody in Silicon Valley, that's a sales guy. Then you have Steve Jobs as a product development guy. Then you have Jeff Bezos, marketer. Then you have Richard Branson, marketer. So what social media has done is the following. Social media has brought sales lower and marketers higher, which means if you speak the language of marketing, You can spread the message of what you're doing today 10 times faster than just a sales guy. Because sales is here. I sell you, logical, makes sense, great, I'll go buy it. But a marketer spreads like a virus, right? 
So when, when you ask the question saying what role has social media played, social media has made it more important today to pay attention to marketing. And it's unfortunately discounted what sales used to be back in the days without social media. It's almost like looking at it this way. Think about it how there was a time where a Calvin Klein model was super skinny, right? And everybody was like, man, I want to look like Calvin Klein. So the key was for us to be super skinny and you wanted to have these holes. You're like, yeah, you wanted to have these holes here and everybody want to look like a Calvin Klein model. And then all of a sudden, Kim Kardashian shows up. All of a sudden, Jennifer Lopez shows up, and everybody's like, wait, wait a minute, I, we, we kind of like big butts now. And, and, and so everybody was like, what can I do to get it? Oh my gosh, we like big, but this changes, this evolves. So today, what social media has done is, if you know how to market and you're a marketer, you're gonna enjoy the fruits of your labor the next five, 10, 15, 20 years. May not be forever, but for today, marketers are gonna rule the empire. Yeah, awesome. Now, great advice there. So with passion, now, you know, passion, a lot of entrepreneurs I speak to, they want to follow their passion. The take I've got on passion is I spoke to one of my mentors and they were like, if you do something and you become good at it, guess what? It becomes your passion. So you've got to give something a chance. You've got to put the effort in, you know, even if you don't like it at times. What's your take on passion? You know, because mixed messages sometimes you get. Yeah, and and, and listen, here's here's the one thing you got to realize. I just posted something on Twitter uh, five minutes before getting on with you, and I said the following. I said, listen, your parents don't know everything. Your teachers don't know everything. You don't know everything, right? Everybody's in life is sharing four things with you. They're sharing facts. They're sharing opinions. They're sharing their fears, and they're sharing their motives. Now, they're not going to tell you what their motive is. A teacher has a motive. A parent has a motive. You have a motive. Everybody has a motive. You have fears. Teachers have fears. Parents have fears of their kids failing. What you got to do is you got to process all those four things and come out with your own conclusion. So I'm going to give you my feedback on passion. This is my part about passion. I get a lot of people that send me messages on Instagram and Snap and Twitter, and they'll say, well, Pat, you know, I can't find my passion. How do you think, do you have a video for me to find my passion? And we probably got to make a video on this because there's a whole misconception about passion. This is what I think about passion. I think when I was coming up, the benefit I had is I enjoyed bodybuilding, but I wasn't passionate about sales, but I was passionate about bodybuilding. So what was it? Well, I went and worked with a guy. I was a terrible sales guy. When I tell you a terrible sales guy, a terrible sales guy, I'm about to quit sales. And I'm being dead serious with you. I'm about to go be a Hummer mechanic in Camarillo because it was the only place that needed a Hummer mechanic for the big Hummers. Yeah. I'm not a small Hummer mechanic. I'm a big OG like H1 because I've owned those. I'm an H1 Hummer mechanic, right? And it's 14 bucks an hour. I'm about to quit sales. I'm about to quit sales. This guy pulls me in. His name is Cisco. He says, Patrick. I said, listen, Cisco, I can't sell. I said, look at my body. I'm a freaking bodybuilder. I'm in shape and no one's buying memberships from me. I can't sell. I believe in bodybuilding but I'm just not a good sales guy. He says, do me a favor before you quit. I said, what's that? I'm 21 years old at this time, by the way. He says, I want you to go to Fox Hills Mall and sell memberships to people in the mall who are walking around. And look what I told him. I said, let me get this straight. I can't sell in a gym where your equipment is here, your trainers are here. You want me to go sell in a mall where I have nothing to show? I said, there's no way in the world I can do this. Patrick, just trust me and give it a month. I said, I don't think it's going to work. He says, do you not trust me? I said, I trust you. Give it a month. I said, okay, no problem. So I go to Fox Hills Mall. Look what happens. 
Our table was set up right next to the escalator that's going to the second floor, right? There's yeah. stores everywhere, and we have a Macy's back here, and the table was here, and there's three salespeople selling. I was always the one timid behind the table because I was afraid of going and talking to people. So I'd be the guy that goes like this. Hey, would you, would you like a mem- mem- <laughs> would you, would you, would you? I was that guy, right? So one day, I'm here. There's another guy named Caesar, okay? He's maybe 5'4". I'm 6'4". He's 5'4". He's talking to everybody. Oh, hey, how are you, girl? What's your name? Hey, can, here, let me show you something. Come here. You, wanna, you know you want to come here. Come here. So he came. I'm like, oh, and then I, oh, hey, come here. Come here. Hey, listen. Look at you guys. Look at you. Look at you. Can I talk? Let me tell you what. Listen, let me just talk. Give me one second. Yeah. And he started bringing people. Then there was this other guy. Both of them started teaming up. They sold the membership. They sold the membership. They sold them. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What's going on over here? Then I came away from behind the table to the side, then in front of a table, and the next thing you know, I got the courage to go to stores that weren't even in my territory. I was now going to Macy's and pulling girls and saying, come here, let me show you something, come here. Here's the point I'm making. Sometimes we are forcing passion upon ourselves, where in reality, it is more important for you to go work with somebody who's passionate to have that passion be injected into you. And you can't just wake up one day and get it. Sometimes you just got to see how passionate some other people are. And then you say, I can sell like that guy. I can't believe that just, he made it look so easy. So, and then as you do that, then you're kind of coming into your own and what you're doing. Now, there's a difference between passion and purpose. Some people are thinking passion is the same as purpose. I'll give you my purpose. My purpose is very simple. It has to do with capitalism. My purpose has to do with entrepreneurship. When I'm in Greece... And a bunch of people who believe in socialism in Greece run up to me, and I'm telling them that the next day they need to wake up in the morning and put posters all over Greece at 1 o'clock in the morning saying capitalism will save Greece. Yeah. And these are 18, 22-year-old kids who are being asked to take their shirts off that says, I love capitalism. It's a valuetainment shirt. That's a purpose. Purpose didn't become clear to me until 29 years old. Passion of sales became clear to me at 21, 22 years old, simply because I was around other people that were passionate. So I don't know if that answered your question yeah, for yeah, you, does. but I hope it did. It does. That's quite, that's fine. So look, um, I'm going to ask some questions anyway, because I want to get so much value from you guys. So best advice that's been given to you. Now you've worked with lots of guys, you're a mentor yourself. What's the best advice you've received? The best advice I received. You know, I was in, I was in an, uh, a guy's house in his backyard one day. And I was a sales guy. I was selling, it was early on in my insurance car. I was 24 years old. And we're in the backyard. This guy's got a beautiful house, beautiful view, pool. And the top 50 sales guys were in his backyard at a party, okay? So I went to the guy that taught him. I went to him. I had a moment with him in the corner. I said, listen, give me one thing. I want to know one thing above everything. Just tell me the one thing. I don't want to know five things. I just want to know the one thing. That's all I want to know because... Here's what I know about myself. I'm going to work my ass off, and no one's going to outwork me. I'm just telling you right now. Anybody that outworks me and beats me, i got a lot of respect for them. But it's got to be more than a work part, because there's a lot of people that work hard, and they're broke. Give me the one thing. He says, Patrick, he points at everybody. He says, look at everybody. So we're in the corner. Think about it. There's a pool over here, yeah. and everybody's got round tables, and they're all talking to each other. Music's playing background, background Sade, just relaxing jazz music. And he says, look at everybody. He's got his hands in his pocket. He says, look at everybody. I said, what about it? He says, every one of these guys at one point is going to stop reading. So what do you mean? Every one of these guys at one point is going to stop being a student. They're going to stop wanting to learn. They're going to read 10, 20, 30, 40 books. And for the rest of their lives, all they're going to do is spit some quote from that book. 
And they're still going to seem smarter than 95% of other people that don't read those business books. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. If you want to beat everybody, out-improve every one of these guys in here and see what happens to you. I walked away from this guy and I said, okay, game. You know what happened a year later, two years later, three years later? All of those guys who were my mentors and they were making $2 million, $3 million, $4 million, they all got caught up in the golf game of celebrating how they're golfing every day and all this other stuff. And I didn't stop. I mean, I, I did laps around these guys on books and education. You started seeing the content coming out where a lot of people started saying, Pat's not just talking from book. You can tell he read something and then he tested that and he learned what works. So he took it three layers deeper than just the guy that read a book and made a video on YouTube and sounded convincing. But you know he's not talking about experience. He's just telling a theory. I went a few layers deeper. So his challenge to me about improving it became a mantra where today I have four things that I recommend. There's four things that I believe. This mantra to me is the mantra of life. It's outwork, out-improve, out-strategize. By the way, this one comes late because you have to learn strategies. It doesn't happen immediately. And the last one is the one that most people will struggle with is outlast. Most people get tired early. Most people don't have a lot of stamina. Most people get fatigued. And you really learn about stamina 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, you learn about stamina when somebody's been at the office from 6 o'clock in the morning and it's 11 o'clock at night and everybody wants to go, you still got the energy. That outlasting part is what puts fear in a lot of competitors saying there's no way in the world I can compete with whoever that person is that can last that long. And I love the fact you didn't mention talent because when I'm I'm asked um, by young entrepreneurs, how did I build my agency to 500 staff? How did I do that? Was any magic bullet? I wasn't talented, but like you said, I outworked them. I carried on going while they were celebrating. You work hard and there's no magic bullet. And I'm glad you didn't mention talent because talent for me, and I've recruited thousands, is last. Attitude, hard work, dedication. You know that yourself with them agents. So I'm glad you said that. That's great stuff. Look, you do a lot of interviews and I watch them. And my wife, Vanilla Ice, yeah? We grew up, you know, we were of age. I loved him. Ice Ice Baby. Oh man, we watched that video because my wife doesn't really watch... It's entrepreneurs. I'm always in the morning watching YouTube videos, watching your videos, Grant's, who's going to be on the show shortly. And uh, I put that on and she was like, wow, what an interview. How did you get him? And then what was it like meeting Vanilla Ice? I mean, you know, Vanilla Ice, I was in Germany when the song came out, Ice Ice Baby, right? Would play that funky music. So uh, how do you get him? I think, you know, the, the one thing to be thinking about is, I remember I was 12 years old, 13 years old, and we were in Sherman Oaks at a mall, and we were eating at Burger King. I'll never forget this. Yeah. And uh, my dad's next to me, and my parents were divorced, so my dad would pick me up, and I'd get one weekend a month with him, one Sunday a month. And I said, oh, my gosh, Dad, look who's sitting over there. And my dad says, who is it? I said, Dad, look, look. My dad's like, I'm not going to turn around. Who's sitting over there? I said, Dad, you have to see who's sitting over there. So he finally turns and says, who is that guy? I said, that's David Hasselhoff, Dad. That's David Hasselhoff from Baywatch. He said, who, who is that guy? I said, Baywatch. How do you not know Baywatch? Yeah, he yeah. says, I don't know who that guy is. I said, can I go take a picture with him? He says, no. I said, I can't go take it. He says, no. I said, he said, wait, he's going to come and take a picture with you. I said, what? What's this guy talking? He says, wait, he's going to come and take a picture with you. Yeah. I said, dad, he doesn't know who I am. He says, well, that's your job. You got to make sure you go out there and make yourself valuable to the world. So one day he wants to take a picture with you, not the other way around. I think what my dad instilled in my mind at 12, 13 years old was the following. No one's a big deal. Everyone's a human being. And when I tell you no one's a big deal, everyone's a human being, you shouldn't be too starstruck 
by people. Um, generally, we shouldn't be. And the only reason we are is because we think, now don't get me wrong, respect, I can't even tell you the level of respect I have when I sit with a Cuban, Mark Cuban. I can't tell you the level of respect I have uh, uh, for Kevin Hart, you got 150 million followers. Oh my gosh, you fill up a football stadium. You made $87 million last year just as a comedian. I have been entertaining my 5,000 agents that are going to be live at the event next week. Vegas, over 5,000 licensed agents will be at the event next week because the capacity of the hotel, he's performing. I admire what he's done, but not to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, he's such a, he's so far from me. I can't get to a person like that. I don't think that's a, a, a mindset to have because then you make it a big deal when some of these things happen versus you saying I belong in a place like that. So that's one mindset. The second yeah. mindset is I am fascinated by his story because I think a lot of times people see somebody in the entertainment world and they only see them one dimensional, which is Ice Ice Baby or Play That Funky Music or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I want to know the madness behind that creativity of, um, that he has. What else is he doing? I mean, Vanilla Ice right now is doing real estate. He's a big real estate yeah. guy. He's a big yeah. real estate developer. So he recreated himself. How does somebody recreate himself? When Vanilla Ice walks in the streets today, people see him and they say, oh my gosh, that's Vanilla Ice. That's the Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. But when people who work with him see him every day, they see him as a real estate developer, real estate investor. So how did he go through that process of wanting to recreate himself? And there's a level of curiosity of me wanting to know what that thought pattern was that I want to go and sit down and interview him. So that's kind of how the whole thing takes place. And I'm so glad you do, did that because we just thought Vanilla Ice, you know, made them hits and he just disappeared like some artist. But listen to his story. Right. I'm so glad you did that interview and, you know, the, yeah. people need to hear the story. I agree. We recently went to a charity event and Niall from One Direction was there. John Terry, my mentor Rob Moore, he invited me down. And these guys raised 1.5 million for charity. These guys, celebrities, maybe singers, but they've got business minds, you know. They've got a lot more. And like you said, don't be phased by them. Listen to them, look at the story. You learn a lot more. But that's awesome. And have you got any interviews lined up you can tease the audience with? Because I want to push more people to the YouTube channel because I've mentioned your name recently. And people have gone onto your uh, videos and they've said, wow, this guy's well, on We're working, we're working yeah. on some massive, massive interviews. We're working on some massive interviews. You know uh, Michael Francisi, the mobster, the yeah. mafia boss that we interviewed. That became a big hit. And the part two became a big hit when we talked about, when he told the truth about how the mob was involved in the assassination of JFK. Yeah. And how his father was connected to Marilyn Monroe and the history of where Jimmy Hoffa's buried. If you haven't seen that interview, that interview is just sick to yeah. watch it. But we got some really crazy, wild, unique ones that are coming up that'll shock a lot of people. But I'm not going to say it until it's been in the can when yeah. it comes up. But just stay tuned. We got a lot of weird ones coming up. Now yeah, that's 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 great stuff. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions just from the audience. Just quick, quick answers. Don't worry. Sure. You know, I've got one from Paul Howe. Number one strategy for mastery, the, mastering the game of life. So what's your strategy to master the game of life? I know business is business, but life, you know, we're all here for a short while, but you know, what's, your, what's your tip? What's your, what's your... I, I would give the skill set. If somebody was to ask me, what's the number one skill set in life to master to master life, right? So a lot of times you ask this key to success and people will say, marry the right person, have a relationship with God, respect people, work hard, follow your passion, all these things that people will tell you. I tell you, the number one skill in life is learning how to process issues, hands down. I don't think there's anything above that of learning how to process issues. I got three kids. I got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. My outcome before these kids leave me at 18 years old and go build their own life 
is for them to get a glimpse of how you process issues. Now, what do I mean process issues? I like to have lunch with my staff, and I'll pick the most random topic, and I'll say, what do you think about it? For instance, hey, what do you think about what's going on with NFL right now? Should they kneel? Should they not kneel? Why? We go through it. Hey, what do you think about what's going on right now with Trump and all this stuff? Is it a good thing? And I know some of the stuff is sensitive to people. We talk about it, right? I like to sit down and say, what do you think about what just that guy did? Do you, hey, watch this movie. Put it on pause. Do you think he did the right thing right there? How would you done it differently? How do you think the results are going to be at the end of this movie? What do you think about this part here? I like to process everything. And the more you process issues on the motives behind certain things taking place, business becomes a piece of cake. Yep. Relationships become a piece of cake. Reading people becomes a piece of cake. And life becomes a piece of cake. Awesome. One other question for Luca Galoni. He's one of my mentees, magician, 10 million views on his videos. He wants to the strategy of getting your videos viral. He said he posted Instagram video, he got like 100,000 views on it. So if, if you've got a strategy behind your videos going so viral, is there any strategies you can share? Strategies on getting your videos going viral. Like, okay, so one, the first one that it happened to was uh, Life of an Entrepreneur. So I think that, that was the first one because that one on Facebook, we've never spent a penny on that video advertising Ever. We've spent it on a couple of other business yeah, videos, yeah. but we've never, ever spent one penny. If you contact somebody from Facebook and ask how much money was spent monetizing this, uh, uh, what boosting this, we've never spent one penny on that. It got 31 million views, right? Here's the one thing. We're about to launch a new video that's a hero video. This is another one that can be a pretty big video. It yeah. can be something that can go viral. Uh, it's about contradictions of success. Very weird on how I'm explaining this. How a lot of people are constantly saying, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to be a millionaire one day. I address it very directly with them in this video. It's going to be two minutes. It should go out this Monday. So stay tuned. Um, I made a video two years ago. The title was How to Make Your Content Go Viral. It's like a 40-minute video. And okay. I covered 24 okay. points, how to make your content go viral. I highly recommend your friend, the magician, to watch that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and by the way, one of the things we're about to interview, I think James Turner, he's the blind magician. Oh, okay. He's coming okay. here for us to interview, so he'll get a kick out of that. So tell him to stay tuned for that. Yep. But yep. one of the things about making content go viral is it's not a one thing. There are a lot of different things to it. There are yes. multiple different yes. facets to it. But the last thing that you have zero control over is the following. Listen, I can be great in sales. I can have a great product. I can be a great person. I can be a great communicator. I can have an incredible heart. I can have all the right motives. I can sit with a client that is fully qualified to buy the product I sell, and still they could say no to it, which means what? You can make a great video. You can have a great message. You can touch the 90-second, you short, it's not a long video, all this other stuff. And it's still, if the gods of viral videos yeah. don't want it to go viral, it's not going to go viral. So you just have to understand that part. So that video went viral immediately. Our interview with Michael Francisi that led to a show right now we're doing in Vegas called Mob Story. Okay. My interview with Michael Francisi turned into a movie and a Broadway show in Vegas that I was in Vegas last week with the president and the owner of the Hotel Plaza negotiating the, the breakdown, the ticket sales, all this other stuff. I was at Mob Museum negotiating all the rights with them. That video started really slow. Two weeks later, it picked up. You never know what's going to happen. So just put it out there, do your best, and then let the gods no, decide. No, go watch that video of 24 things you got to do to make your content go viral. Absolutely go watch that video. Awesome, good stuff. So we're coming towards the end of the interview. I know you've taken your time out. What's Patrick like outside the videos, the, the entrepreneur? What are you generally like outside, you know? You know, it, it, it's crazy you ask that question. Uh, um, uh, I have a painting behind me here. I don't, you can't see the whole painting. 
But this painting behind me, the characters that are on there is Einstein, John F. Kennedy, Lincoln, Tupac, Senna, the driver, Shah of Iran, Milton Friedman, and Martin Luther King, right? And so one of the things you'll hear when they talk about Tupac was you never know who showed up sometimes. You know, one day Tupac showed up and he was playful. One day he was a womanizer. One day he was a... Uh, a artist, one day he was a revolutionary, one day he was just chill, one day he was just, I think if you ask different people, they're probably going to tell you, you know, sometimes a different person shows up, you know, some days yeah. I come in and it's 100% business, don't bother me, we're just doing business. Some days I come in and I'm just trying to loosen the load for everybody because there's so much pressure, so it's more laughter, fun, comedy, humor, sarcasm. Some days I come in, I'm just, you know, frustrated, disappointed, upset, you know, annoyed, uh, angry a little bit, and we kind of got to figure things out because I'm not able to figure one thing to crack so I can yeah. really get into gear. And then there are times that for me, like personally, vacation-wise, I can't do more than three days. I'm good for three days. Three days later, you're not going to see a good side of me. So if you ever travel with me anywhere after three days, you won't enjoy my company. And I'm being serious with you. You will enjoy my company for two days. Yeah. After two days, I, I'm just I can't I can't do it for too long. I just get fidgety. Uh, but just like anybody else, you know, there's certain things I like. You know, I'm not a, a wine or an alcohol guy. I don't smoke cigars, but I like incredible food. I like caviar. I like good music. I like a ridiculous movie. I like to be entertained. But a lot of the other stuff. The best person to ask that question from is Mario Aguilar at Aguilar Social, and he will tell you exactly how I'm wired. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, that's awesome. And we'll have to get you down to the UK. Have you been to the UK? Have you been yes, to? Yes, yes. Uh, we have a lot of stuff that's happening right now for me to go to the UK. So here's the challenge. You know, if I was only a marketer and a content creator, we would be able to do way more with Valuetainment. I, yeah. I, I run a company that's very demanding right now. Very, very demanding right now. And I have a young family. I have like, a, you know, a national business. So I'm traveling on the road all the time. But there's been multiple opportunities about doing a, nas- a massive conference in UK. Yeah. And every time it's been a conflict with my schedule where we couldn't do it because it had to do with one of my stuff. But eventually, I'm going to come to UK to do a big event. Obviously, our first big live valuetainment conference will be in the States once we cross a million subs. And then after that, we're going to choose the next country to go into. But I'll be visiting here soon again. That's cool. That's for my listeners. You know, we've, we don't really run the podcast. So we're going to be supporting you. We want you here. So... Make that happen and uh, we'll I appreciate be there. That. I'll be there definitely. Good stuff. So look, my podcast is called the Business Mentor Podcast. It's part of the academy, which we're looking to help people with mentoring and helping support their journey. This is an opportunity to ask my guests to shout out any mentors they've had that have influenced their life. It could be one or two. People have really made an impact to your life. Um, I would have to put my dad at the top. Uh, my dad never compromised his values and principles with me, ever. He is the most difficult father to have because whatever he ever said he's going to do, he did it. So, you know, sometimes people complain about a dad that sets a bad example. And then you have somebody that sets a great example that's also as annoying because, you know, you have no room to say. But that one time, you know, he's just, he keeps his word. So he made the standards very difficult for me uh, when he would come through. I would say another man named Bill Vogel. Bill Vogel is the reason why capitalism's in my life the way it is right now, a big way. Uh, Tom Ellsworth, before I hired him as our president, Tom was my advisor. Tom was my direct advisor. So Tom may be working for me as a president of PHP, 
and, and what he's creating on content with case studies. But Tom is one of my mentors in life that I have, who is now our president. And the, and the list goes on. There's a long list of names. Well, those will be three names I would give you. Excellent stuff. And uh, I'm getting Grant on very soon. So any message for Grant? So when he, when he hears the podcast. Grant, man, you're going to have fun with Grant. <laughs> you're going to have fun with Grant. He's, his energy is as contagious as it gets. Yeah. We, we met with him because he came to London recently and uh, he's got so much energy, you know, um, and he just got energy like a 20 year old. He just, yeah, awesome. So I'm looking forward to getting him on as well. And I'll mention it. So where can people, where can people reach you? Obviously, just, you're all over the internet. So the YouTube, you want to shout out where they can reach you? Is it Value Entertainment or... Your, your Instagram, your Twitter feeds. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the YouTube channel is probably going to be the source that you want to go see some content. That's the place to go. And the place where I respond is Twitter, which is at Patrick Bed David and Instagram, both just my name, Patrick Bed David, which I'm sure you're going to put the details yeah. in the description yeah. section. Yeah, yeah. Twitter, I respond. Instagram, I respond. Uh, and then YouTube, you'll, you'll be able to consume most of my content. Awesome stuff. I want to thank you, Patrick. It's been, oh, it's been a pleasure you know, just sitting with you and watching you live and normally watch you on TV in the mornings, get inspiration. Um, and if you guys have got any questions on the podcast, you can email me, jay at the Business Mentor Podcast. There's going to be some show notes. So we're going to have everything in show notes so you can click the links, take the advice. And uh, yeah, what a guest, you know, what a guest. I want to thank you, Patrick, so much. Hey, thank you, Jay, for having me. You're saying all the right things. It sounds like you're really up to something big. But uh, no, I really appreciate that. Keep at it, man. Great stuff. Good questions. Thanks for the interview. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yes, take care. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was a real special one for me, getting Patrick Bet David, one of the biggest entrepreneurs in the world, um, coming onto my podcast. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you guys for listening, subscribing. It's really important to me and all my listeners from Belgium, Australia, Mongolia even, Oh, the list goes on, Philippines, India, South Korea. Um, it's phenomenal the amount of reach I'm getting. I'm going to so many countries, now over 40 countries are listening to my podcast. I really appreciate you guys listening. I hope to bring you more guests onto the show, such as Patrick Bay David. So stay tuned, have a great day, and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>